you have to take risk. And especially thinking about startups, that's essentially what every single startup founder does. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, welcome to episode 107. Today, we're talking about cybersecurity apprenticeships, upskilling and startups. Our guest this week is Cole Shear, a vice president at Generator, that's Generator with an 8, not an A, focused on their skills accelerator. Now, our longtime listeners here might be familiar with Generator as a startup accelerator because they've been featured on this show before in a handful of ways. Cole is going to tell us a bit more about them in a second, but we've interviewed leaders from a handful of startups that have gone through their program before. Nevertheless, in this episode, first, we're going to hear how a plethora of startup experiences ultimately led Cole to Generator, along with the lessons he's learned along the way. Second, we're going to learn what a skills accelerator is. We'll talk about cohort-based learning and hear how Generator's program evolved out of their startup accelerator. Finally, we'll talk about cybersecurity and how Generator's new cybersecurity apprenticeship is equipping manufacturers with much-needed security education for their teams. As always, if you want to learn more, you can access all the information we discuss over at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 107. And by the way, on October 3rd and 4th, 2022, I'll actually be teaming up with Generator to speak and podcast at their annual on-ramp manufacturing conference. This is the second year in a row that I've been part of this show, and this year's event is taking place in Indianapolis, Indiana. This is actually one of my favorite style of events, one that brings together investors, startups, and large corporations to really focus on facilitating collaborations between these different groups to drive manufacturing innovations forward. So, whether that's new business models or new technologies, all of this will get covered at this very quick conference. Again, it's two days, October 3rd and 4th, so it's just a portion of your week and Manufacturing Happy Hour actually has a discount code to get you 50% off admission. When you go to register, use the code ORMHH50 to get 50% off the ticket price. Again, that's OR for on-ramp, MHH, Manufacturing Happy Hour 50, ORMHH50. To make it easy to get to registration and to learn more, head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash onramp2022. It'll take you right there. As always, even if you're listening to this episode after October 2022, that link will still work. It'll just take you to a compilation of podcast interviews with leaders from that event. Again, that's OnRamp 2022, and we hope to see you in Indy. Speaking of Indianapolis, I think we need to take a little audio journey over there for a drink today. It's time for our conversation with Cole Shear. Okay, Cole. So, say we're hanging out in Indianapolis, Indiana. We're going to go we're both going to be there soon for the on-ramp manufacturing conference. You know, you lived there for a while. Paint the picture. Where would we be having this conversation if we were having a drink right now? 
Great question, Chris. Uh, as you mentioned, I lived in the Indy for about six or seven years and I'm a big foodie. So love the question. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is an establishment called Bar uh, 18. So uh, it is from the Cafe Padachu organization in Indy, and they have a really intimate location that I think they seat maybe 16 people. Really intimate, one bartender, you can have the chef right in front of you. Uh, a lot of people say it's very dark, uh, which I love. Um, and we would have some really good cocktails there. But pretty much any bar in Indy, I'm a fan of. I've probably been there for better or for worse. Um, and excited to be in Indy very soon here. I love it. So let's say you and I are hanging out at Bar 18. We're having cocktails. How do you describe what Generator does as if you're having a drink with someone, right? I think the audience here is kind of familiar if they've been a longtime subscriber. We featured you on the show a bit in the past, but how do you describe what Generator does? Yeah, really interesting question. Uh, Generator, uh, the way I view it, is a full platform for communities to invest in their best and brightest. And we do that in a handful of different ways. We are a startup accelerator. We help startup founders grow their companies. We work with corporate groups, corporate innovation groups, and help them with their innovation and mergers and acquisitions. We even have programming around artists and musicians. We have a program that help them out with their uh, craft and next steps. And then we also have the program that I lead, which is a free skills accelerator program. So you see artists and musicians, you have job seekers, startup founders, et cetera. Um, and it's like, how does this all fit in? And the way we view it is almost like a grocery store for communities to invest in their best and brightest. They have one store to go to and that's Generator. And they're able to support their communities as best as possible throughout the Rivian. Great analogy. Community for investing in the best and brightest. We're going to talk a bit more about uh, Generator and specifically your skills program uh, a bit later in the interview. But first, Cole, I want to get to know you a bit because I was looking at your background and, and you've done some interesting things that led up to uh, Generator. And like any career, it's not necessarily all linear. So I guess I should start off by asking before I give away what your initial roles were. Are you a cyclist by chance? Am I making that up? I am a cyclist or I was rather. I have not been cycling too recently, unfortunately, but um, I grew up as a runner and a cyclist and ultimately a triathlete. So a lot of the early roles I had were really trying to find my passion, what I wanted to do. And that was exactly that. I wanted to work at retail stores that were impacting the work, the hobbies I had. So my first role was at a running shoe store, especially running store. And the way I always tell it was in one day I had the opportunity to have an interview at uh, Jimmy John's and the opportunity to work at uh, the shoe store, which was called Metro Run and Walk. Uh, luckily, I chose the right way. Nothing against Jimmy John's. They have great sandwiches. Uh, but I had the opportunity to work at a running shoe store, uh, fulfill my passion, get a little discount on my shoes in high school. Um, and that grew into me starting as a sales associate all the way up to uh, being the general manager and actually leading uh, the organization while the owner was semi-retired, he said, in Florida. So um, as a high schooler leading a company uh, with about 15 employees, multi-million dollar retail store um, at you know, 17, 18, while I probably should have been in class, uh, was a really a foundational moment for me in my career. You know, when you think back to those times, what's like a career lesson you learned during those experiences that has stuck with you today? Yeah, um, I think what comes to mind is really, and this is actually lived out by some of the values that generate, and we have the value of no job is beneath me. 
And that's really the mentality I learned and lived through with all my early roles was if there is an opportunity, I wanted to learn it. I knew that I wanted to go into business. You know, I knew I wanted to uh, grow companies, et cetera. And so um, there was an opportunity with my first role where the owner was doing accounts payable. I'm like, hey, can you can you let me know what you're doing and walk me through it? Um, and ultimately took over accounting for the company. Um, it really just any opportunity I had to get my hands dirty and learn something new, that was me and something that uh, did not come naturally, I guess, initially. It was just something that I knew I had to do for my career um, and something that, you know, people hopefully see in my career as of today. Yeah, the no job is beneath us advice. Always a classic on the show. You know, looking looking further, I mean, y- your career doesn't stop here, right? You went on to, if I'm looking at this right, you you had your own startup called Catch. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I really don't talk about it too much, but it's an interesting story. It was the very first startup I officially was working for. Uh, before then, I had a lot of small businesses and pretty much before I was legally able to work, I was doing a lot of just uh, small projects, reselling things and anything I could get my hands on. Uh, but that was my first startup. And the way it started was um, I received a LinkedIn message. I was in India at the time. This was a South Bend uh, company. I got a message from the two co-founders of Catch. And they said, hey, we're looking for some C-level management. Are you interested in joining us for our startup? And, you know, you get a message like that on LinkedIn and obviously a spam, right? So um, that was my immediate thought. Started having a conversation and it was two Notre Dame students that were looking to hire a CEO um, and be the president of the company and take it to the next stages. Um, took them up on the offer. It was a lot of learning, a lot of failure to be completely blind. And that's a lot of startup founders. Uh, but the idea around it, and it's very prevalent today, we were just weren't able to execute effectively by, um, it was a last mile delivery company for uh, businesses to have their products shipped directly to uh, their customers. Uh, you think of like really essentially a Uber Eats and anything that comes up shipped, um, doing exactly that. So I'm uh, really interested in a lot of learning from that. Um, and again, circling that back to Generator, uh, the first startup was last mile delivery uh, for coffee for goods, essentially. Um, and now we look at our Generator Skills program as last mile delivery for job searchers and the wraparound services. So uh, you'll hear me say this a couple of times, everything that I had in the early stages of my career really are coming to fruition with Generator and the work that we're doing today. Well, in that case, I've got one other early stage question for you, and then we'll dive into Generator. But I love how you've been bringing it around. So this last one, is that it, it looks like that was not your last startup experience. You became the CMO um, of a company. Is it KOM? Com? What's, uh, what, how is it pronounced? Uh, KOM and the initials for that were King of the Mountain. So bringing back my cycling background uh, was a cycling product. So again, a lot of uh, similarities from some of those early works. And the way I really look at that part of my career is I spent about six or seven years um, as a digital marketer that would work with startups. And my role would often be their first marketing hire. I would launch their company, launch their product, build out their marketing team, and then move on to my next project or the next company I want to work with. So it was a lot of freelance, a lot of equity, a lot of, um, you know, roles that might look like a CMO, but I was moving between different companies at the time. Um, so during that stage in my career, I think I launched about 25 to 30 different companies and did exactly that at each one of them. Um, and learned a lot. And my marketing background did not come from 
the university. I did not go to college. I did not take the traditional route. Um, the way I was able to build that career was really from, you know, no jobs beneath me, taking as many opportunities as possible. In high school, I was the young kid, so I got the social media responsibilities, liked it at that company. I were able to grow uh, my marketing career. And the most pivotal point out of that was actually taking a lynda.com course around marketing, which lynda.com is now LinkedIn Learning. So I took a online course, learned as much as possible about marketing, uh, self-talk marketer, and was able to then go on and work with all those different startups, launching their companies, launching their products, um, and helping them get to the next stages of the company. It's funny. I got most of my marketing chops through just executing and doing, and also some, uh, what is it, Coursera courses where yep. I dove in on those to, to cut my teeth there and get the quote-unquote formal education. Um you know, given what you've done, I've got one more question that's popped in before we start jumping to generator. But do you think we, we have a lot of early career, mid-career, late career? We've got a good mix of people that listen to this show. Do you think people play it too safe early in their career? Like looking at yourself, you mentioned you jumped around, you tried a lot of things. I'd be interested to, you know, maybe get your personal opinion on that, but maybe the advice you'd offer to the audience out there that a lot of times we hear to take the traditional job route and yours has been anything but that. Yeah. Um, I think where my mind goes is you have to take risk and especially thinking about startups. That's essentially what every single startup founder does. So if you're not willing to take that risk, maybe start check for you or you need to figure out how to do that, uh, you know, safely and effectively. Uh, so there's a level of risk that you need to take and to, uh, go through a traditional model where you're spending four years in college and going on and spending 15 years before you get your next promotion, things like that. But for me, it wasn't attractive, but I know that's not always the case. There's always opportunity to, to grow. And I'm also going to say here to say that education is extremely important across the board. And I know that, you know, bachelor's degree in university is important for a lot of people. So uh, keeping that top of mind, but you look at my resume and I had this conversation with my team at a previous retreat and I've been more and more transparent and open uh, that you look at that resume and it looks you know, fairly decent if I don't you know, if you don't mind me saying, um, but at the same time, I'm working with a lot of startups and taking a lot of risk and a lot of not getting paid or taking equity when, um, I probably should have had a more stable job, uh, up until January, there's times where I'm sleeping on, uh, air mattresses and just trying to make whatever was possible happen. So I think you have to have that level of risk, that level of, uh, wanting to make it work and know that ultimately that does pay off. Um, so I don't want to sit here and say that everyone should go out and do exactly that and take huge and huge risks like that. But I think to advance your career and learn new things, there's always that level of risk that you should be taking. Good answer with a good disclaimer. You know, we're, we're going to bring it to generator now. We look at this cornucopia of experience you had. How did all of this help you? You know, how did you, how did you transition from those experiences to generator? Yeah, it was actually a very natural progression. As I mentioned, the most recent uh, roles I was working in before Generator was I was helping startup founders grow their companies, startup founders launch their companies uh, in a marketing capacity. And there was an opportunity at Generator for the G Beta program to become an associate. And I was probably 23 at the time, give or take. Um, so still it's fairly young, but that was really meant for like an entry level uh, internship, more or less. 
I really wanted to take it. I really wanted just to hang out with startups. And it came from me wanting just to hang out and have fun while I was doing my other marketing jobs. Um, and then I figured out I really loved it. I, I had the ability to directly impact all those startups and help them with their companies. Uh, working at an organization that had similar values as mine. And then um, ultimately was able to be able to do exactly what I was doing for those startups already, which was helping them grow their companies, but do that with a nice salary and able to do that in a safer setting to your point about risk. Um, so it was a natural progression where I was, I came on as an associate just to hang out and enjoy working with startups. Figured out I really loved Generator and it was a place I wanted to call home for years to come. And then was grown into be the G Beta Indiana director at the time uh, before my current role. So um, it was actually a fairly straightforward process, although it looks like a lot of random pieces that all came together. That's almost how I look at it is all of those random pieces all led me to Generator um, and the position I am in today to really have the impact that Generator is able to have. Well, my next question is around the pieces that brought, you know, the skills accelerator to be as well, because I always thought of Generator first and foremost as a startup accelerator. And then as I was looking at this, it looks like the skills accelerator came out of the pandemic. Was this like a natural pivot? And can you share the story as to how it came about? Yeah, I think that it's a natural pivot and an additional product line that Generator wanted to offer. We would have probably gone through and done exactly that maybe three years from now, but it got expedited due to COVID. So uh, what actually came about was Microsoft announced their global skills initiative. Brad Smith, uh, the president of Microsoft, was leading that initiative. And the idea with that initiative was for them to open up LinkedIn Learning and Microsoft Learn curriculum free of charge to individuals to learn those new skills and help with the unemployment rate of getting people back into the workforce. So they had this initiative and they actually reached out and said, or asked Generator if we were open to building a, a program around it using our cohort-based model, accelerator model that they knew from our startup work and built that for job seekers. Um, so we always say when Microsoft reaches out about something, we do it. So we had a pilot program in Northeast Wisconsin with that exact thought of having an accelerator cohort-based model around the global skills initiative of Microsoft. And at the time, we brought in some volunteers from Generator that were working on various uh, projects and roles, including myself. I volunteered um, as our chief beta Indiana director because I wasn't in program at the time. And I said, this, this seems interesting. And it was, you know, that was the extent of it at the time. Um, and we brought the pilot program to life in about three weeks from the point that marched up all to the point that we had about 23 participants actually in the program. It was about three weeks that we built this program and we luckily had a lot of learnings from the other work that we've done at Generator and were able to replicate a lot of it very quickly, which is a true asset of companies like Generator. And we were able to launch that pilot program in Northeast Wisconsin with 19 graduates and now have worked with about 1,300 participants nationally in about 20 different markets. Um, so all that to say, the pilot program was successful um, and we were really excited to launch that with Microsoft and continue to work with Microsoft across uh, the country with the initiative. That's a real pandemic story right there, right? Three weeks from concept to execution right there. Impressive to say the least. I I'm curious, when we say a skills accelerator, can you give us an example of like this? this it doesn't need to be all of them if there's a long list, but a uh, sampling of the skills that you'd learn from something like this, particularly ones that would be relevant to a manufacturing audience now that I think about it. Yeah, so we have 10 in-demand career tracks that we're able to run. Anything from customer services, sales, to project management, 
and IT support. So a wide range of offerings in each cohort, each company that we work with, we're going to identify the right career tracks that we're able to run for that uh, specific cohort. So the individuals that would join our program are going to learn that career skill. So let's take project management, for example. They'll go through our six-week project management program, learn project management project management skills while also learning about professional soft skills. We go through diversity and uh, equity and inclusion training. We go through job searching skills, et cetera. While they're also working one-on-one with career coaches from our team on deliverables like resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn profiles, et cetera, to make sure that at the end of those six weeks, they have the true uh, skill sets that they need to enter the workforce and get that new role of project management with this scenario. Um, and if I'm a manufacturer, project management is actually a really popular one for um, our manufacturers that we work with. You think how transferable the skill that is across various domains, whether it's someone on a manufacturing line or someone that's going to be uh, working in the office, it's a true uh, skill set that a lot of our manufacturers uh, appreciate and are going to be gravitated towards. Uh, but all that to say, we have data analytics that a lot of manufacturers are interested in, um, all of our IT-related programming, and also most recently have started a cybersecurity program that our manufacturers are really excited about. So uh, really matching up our career tracks with the needs of not only the community, but the employers and the manufacturers that we work with. Yeah, I'm excited to ask you about the cybersecurity program here in a bit. We're going to talk in a couple more generalities first, because one aspect about this program, you know, you and I talked about LinkedIn Learning. I talked about Coursera, things I've done. That's very much individual programs um, from what I've seen. But this is cohort-based learning. Um, I'd like you to kind of describe, you know, how is this different from other sorts of training? What does this add to it? How does it work? You know, let's say we're still hanging out there at bar 18. How do you describe that as if we're having cocktails? Yeah. So what we're doing is our core curriculum is self-paced through LinkedIn Learning and Microsoft Learn. So when I talked about Full Circle, the program I went through on the marketing front way back when uh, through LinkedIn Learning is now something that obviously updated. I'm able to then share with participants that go through our marketing program in the future. So um, what our program offers and what I didn't have when I went through that marketing program was the wraparound services and the support of a team and the cohort model. So when a participant joins our program, they're joining a cohort of about 25 to 35 individuals at that given point. And they're able to go through that program at the same pace and they'll be paired up with a buddy and they can network and have the ability to share their experience and help each other out. Maybe the uh, buddy that they're paired with actually has the right connection, the employer that they're really excited about working in, et cetera. So the cohort model is really a value add for participants. In addition to them being paired up with a career coach, that's their true guide, their biggest cheerleader, number one advocate to help them not only succeed in the program, but also post-program and through their job search. We have a full placements team that is helping all of our graduates with actually being able to use those skills in the workforce. We have a network of over 420 employers that we work with nationally that we're able to kind of matchmaker and match up our participants with roles that would be a fit for them and help them through the process. As on the flip side, we're also helping that employer out, helping them make good decisions with their hiring, pairing them up with the right 
uh, graduates and also just setting up as much support for that employer at the end of the day. I know we've gone through a lot of different uh, labor trends over the last two years as we've been working through this program and employers are at the forefront, making sure that they have everything that they need throughout this uh, process. Can you share, like take us full circle here, can you share a story of an outcome that you've seen come out of this program, success story, whatever you want to call it, but I think that'll help uh, the folks really get a, a visual of what this looks like. Yeah. And so we have a lot of success stories, which I'm really excited about. Um, one of the ones that I always like to call out is Rochelle. Rochelle joined our very first program in 2020, uh, went through the program at the time. It was an eight day program, which makes me just, it's baffling because now our shortest program is five weeks, but ultimately she was successful. She came into the program in the peak of COVID. She was working multiple part-time jobs, serving jobs at, you know, places like Denny's, and she needed something stable. Uh, so she joined our program looking for a career change. We were able to uh, successfully skill her and then place her into a new role. She was also one of our first placements uh, within a month of her graduating. So she quickly got that new role and um, got promoted in that role. From that job, she was able to buy a house and have the stability that she was looking for from, from her employer and from a program like ours. And then unfortunately, and this is a trend that we're seeing across the board, but she was unfortunately laid off by that company, uh, which was not good news, but she knew that she could reach back out to us and see if we could support her in that next role. So she reached out. And then again, within a month of her reaching out and letting us know the situation she was in, we were able to then place her into a new role and make sure that she still had uh, the job that she was looking for and the stability that she needed. I appreciate the candidness in that story because I feel like a lot of times we'll just say, hey, we did our thing and everyone lived happily ever after, right? And similar to your story, right? There's ebbs and flows, there's speed bumps in careers. And um, I appreciate you being real on that, that, you know, hey, that's a part of jobs in general, right? But um, I'm glad it still came full circle again, uh, that she's back on board with another organization that you've been able to help her out. I do want to dive more into detail on the cybersecurity apprenticeship program now, because uh, for whatever reason, that is one of the big, I shouldn't say for whatever reason, I am not surprised it's one of the biggest topics on the show, right? When we talk cybersecurity, it gets a lot of people listening to to those conversations. So, you know, how did, uh, you know, can you tell us what this one focuses on specifically? So that way for the manufacturers that are out there listening, they think, oh yeah, we need to up our cybersecurity skills. How, you know, how can they partner with you guys to pull that off? I think that's a great question. We've been talking a lot about our uh, skills accelerator programming where we're going into communities and finding under and unemployed individuals. With our cybersecurity program, we have it built as an apprenticeship model. So we're working directly with manufacturers and employers that are looking to upskill their current staff. Um, so really thinking of it as an earn-as-you-learn type scenario for the participants in the program. And what we've been able to do is take individuals that have interest in cybersecurity have the aptitude to move forward with their career. A lot of them are coming from various IT backgrounds. So they have that level of IT uh, background. We have people in the program that have been working in IT for 20 plus years. And we have people that just uh, graduated from college and are looking for pretty much their first next step um, at the companies that we're working with. So a wide range of individuals that are able to go through the program. But our cybersecurity program is set up as a 10-week program 
that will be able to support uh, participants and make sure that they're able to take the next stage of their career. And oftentimes that will lend itself to being a cybersecurity analyst or a role similar to that. Our graduates will be ready to sit for the CompTIA uh, Network Plus and the Security Plus exams for CompTIA to showcase those skills. And then along the way, we're working directly with them. They'll be working with our career coach to make sure that they're not only comprehending those skills, but really applying them into their current roles and having those opportunities at those companies for project-based work um, and supporting them in the next stages of their career through our program. And by the way, for everyone listening out there, I'll have a link to this in the show notes at manufacturinghappyhour.com. I know some folks are going to want to take a look at this because... Like I said, cybersecurity is one of the biggest topics right now for obvious reasons within manufacturers. My my biggest question is, why are more people doing things like this, right? It feels like this is an obvious thing um, that should exist. And and it's still relatively new for Generator, right? How long ago did this become one of your formal programs? Yeah, our Skills Accelerator as a whole, we just celebrated our two-year anniversary. So we're still a a young uh, program. Over those two years that we've placed over 500 participants successfully and have a strong track record of successful programming. And then even uh, a step further with the cybersecurity program, that program, we launched our pilot program in uh, about a couple months ago at this point. So it's still very new, a lot of learnings, uh, but we're ready to fully deploy that across the country and excited to work with more employers. And I think the, to your question, Chris, about uh, why employers might not be ready for this step or might haven't uh, taken it yet, I think it's because it's new. Not only our program, but more specifically cybersecurity. It's one of those things that uh, oftentimes when employers are paying attention to it is when it's too late. And there's an issue that came up and it's, oh, man, I wish that we had our cybersecurity team on this or had a cybersecurity uh, team. Um, so our program is really set up to take existing staff at these organizations, uh, upskill them and be able to make sure that they have a staff of cybersecurity analysts or other positions that are related so that they can get ahead of any cybersecurity re- risk that might be coming up. Yeah, and, and as we get to the end here, I want to make sure both companies and individuals know how to work with you or dive into this further. This is something they want to explore. So let's talk about companies first, specific to the cybersecurity program. Who's what is an ideal, you know, company look like for that? Or what what characteristics would you say, hey, this would probably make your your organization a great group for us to work with? Yeah. Um, I'm a very open-ended um, answer to that. Any organization that is looking to take their staff to the next level or even looking to uh, bring on more staff, whether it's anyone focused on cybersecurity or even project management or any of the other career tracks I mentioned. Uh, typically, we're working with or larger organizations, organizations with a few thousand employees oftentimes um, that do have full cybersecurity uh, teams already in place that work, they're working on building out. Um, but anyone that is looking to uh, build out their cybersecurity teams and looking for the talent, that's when we want to be talking to them. When we think about cybersecurity talent as a whole, it's very new. Trying to find that talent is extremely tough and finding talent in general right now is tough. So you look at hundreds of thousands of open cybersecurity roles right now across the country and the amount of actual uh, potential talent to fill those positions is very limited. And especially where we launched our set, uh, our pilot program for cybersecurity, Northeast Wisconsin, you're looking at, you know, maybe a hundred people in that entire region that have the right skill set. Um, so really making sure that we have a talent pipeline that we're able to support and help these companies out. 
then who, yeah, I think your analogy at the start, like the grocery store for talented people tapping into that talent. Um, maybe one more time as we wrap up, who's an ide- uh, ideal candidate for any of your cohorts in general? Yeah, I have a very general uh, answer to that too. <laughs> Anyone that's looking at bettering their career, taking the next step. Uh, we have a lot of career changers uh, that will be joining our program. They might be exiting from a, a, a role and looking for the next stage. We've, again, gone through a lot of different uh, labor market trends where we had some teachers join, nurses, hospitality workers, and we'll see some of those trends. But ultimately, if someone wants to make a change in their career and they have the aptitude and the willingness to go through a program, they're probably a fit for our program. We'd love to talk to them. Cole, is there anything you wish I would have asked you that I haven't yet? It's a great question. Um, Maybe what my cocktail choice would have been for seeing. That is that is a good way to wrap this up. What would have your <laughs> what would your cocktail of choice have been? Uh, great question. I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> I would say an old fashioned. I'm definitely an old fashioned guy. Um, that's uh, always the go to uh, cocktail bars, but always trying something new. So beyond indie or other bars in indie, let me know where I should be trying my own, trying some new cocktails. That's uh, often my baseline as well. It depends. I'm a very seasonal drinker, right? I like to go with the weather. If it's really hot outside, if it's summer, I might go with something a little more floral, like uh, a gin-based drink. But yeah, that's usually what I'm trying first. So, uh, well, hey, hopefully you and I get a chance to have some old fashions while we're hanging out in Indy here coming up soon. What's the best way to connect with you and the rest of your crew, Cole? Yeah, that's Send me an email, cole at generator.com, or find me on LinkedIn, Cole Shear. Search my name and uh, send me a connection request. I'm very open for some conversations. Anything related to education or workforce development, startups, marketing, I want to talk to you. Sounds great. Well, I will have links to Cole's LinkedIn, to Generator. All of those will be over in the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com. Cole, I just want to say thanks so much for jumping on today's show. Appreciate it, Chris. Hey, thank you for listening, and a big thanks to Cole for jumping on today's show. Also, thank you to the whole Generator crew for making this episode and this whole collaboration possible. If you want to learn more, head to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 107. That'll give you links to Generator's Skills Accelerator as well. And by the way, I think we were saying the bar name incorrectly in this episode. It'll give you a link to the bar that Cole gave a shout out for, Bar 114 in Indy. We hope to grab a drink with you there soon because Generator's on-ramp manufacturing conference is taking place there on October 3rd and 4th, 2022. If you want to get there, go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash onramp2022 to register today. And don't forget to use the registration code ORMHH50 at checkout to get 50% off your ticket price. Again, that's ORMHH50 to get 50% off the ticket price. I'll be speaking at that event. I'll be doing live podcasts. It's going to be awesome. It's also a great place to connect, whether you're with a large company, a startup, or you're an investor. Generator is a top-notch group that has honestly been a big part of this podcast since the very beginning, and they always bring an incredible group of people together. So we hope to see you in Indianapolis, October 3rd and 4th, manufacturinghappyhour.com slash onramp2022 to register today. And with that, stay innovative, stay thirsty, We'll see you next week, and hopefully we'll see you in Indianapolis really soon. Cheers. Cheers.
Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.